Welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman with you in our Magic Studios. Tuesday, January 7th, a day late this week. We had the Magic Gaming Pod drop yesterday. Make sure you check that out. Josh Cohen, Ben Rivera, and Magic Gaming Head Coach Jonah Edwards do a great job with that. Uh, I caught up with Ken Birch at Shooter on Monday, so stick around for that. It's coming up here in a minute. And Lordy, it's been a wild start to 2020 for this Magic team. A roller coaster of emotions in less than a week. New Year's Day course saw the passing of David Stern not long before the six o'clock tip-off between the Magic and Wizards in Washington so that was in the minds of the entire NBA family and still is as we remember and honor our commissioner emeritus you get to game time just two minutes into the game Jonathan Isaac lands awkwardly on Bradley Beal's foot he goes down he would not get up he was stretchered off the floor and certainly cast a pall on the Capital One Arena and on the Magic team in general but this is professional sports. Injuries, unfortunately, a part of the game. So the Magic had to play on. Emil Jefferson saw time. Kem Burt stepped in, played the four for the first time under Steve Clifford. And the Magic rolled to a 122-101 victory behind a 20-12 from Booch. An inspired performance from Markel Fultz, which is great to see because Kel had been kind of fighting it uh, for the week or two prior. It felt like he was sort of hitting a wall, but a trip to his hometown did him right. He finished that game with 16 points, 8 assists, just one turnover. So you get the W, but certainly after the game, all thoughts were on Jonathan Isaac, including Coach Clifford. Well, it's scary because, to be honest, I think we got lucky. I was right there. The way it twisted... You know, and I, you know, I thought I heard a pop, and usually that's bad. But so, yeah, no, no, no. And you could tell, well, Isaiah was right there, Thomas, and he stood there for a while, too. So, you know, those guys know. And so, yeah, I believe we got lucky. I thought it was bad. Meanwhile, Isaac was walking on it in the locker room after the game. He was all smiles and optimism. Uh, and we all sort of thought the MRI Thursday would be good news based on what we saw after the game, not so fast. We find out Thursday, J.I. will be out indefinitely. No tears to the main ligaments in his knee, but he does have a posterior lateral corner injury, uh, and he won't even be reevaluated until mid-March. So Magic going to have to plow forward without their young defensive ace, who is really having a breakout year. But if you know anything about Jonathan Isaac, you know what kind of demeanor he had Friday morning when we saw him at shoot-around. I, I, think, it's, I think it's amazing. Doc talked about it. He called it a miracle. Um, Aki called it a miracle that, uh, you know, usually when, when something like this happens, something else goes with it. Um, so, uh, I'm, you know, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged um, that it's not something serious, and I'm going to be back to 100% in no time. And then it was back to the court, and just a brutal back-to-back set with the Miami Heat Friday, the Utah Jazz Saturday at Amway Center. And just as we all expected, the Magic rolled the Heat on Friday night. Throws it to Vooch in front of him. About 15 feet out. He'll back down. Bam, out of bio. One-on-one they go. Double team comes. The bouncer out to Gordon. He's got to look for three. What did he do with it? He knocked it down. Magic lead by 14, just like that. What a clutch basket that was. So all smiles in the Magic locker room post game. Aaron Gordon uh, did a phenomenal job Friday night on Jimmy Butler, and he knows he and J.I. formed the Magic's one-two punch defensively, but moving forward, he's the guy. Man, it's, it's amazing, you know. Coach Cliff has challenged me to be better on defense, uh, a better team defensively, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to accepting that challenge. So next night, Saturday night, the Utah Jazz came in, and the Magic were game again for an, uh, another scrap. Uh, this was a one-point game headed into the fourth quarter, but Donovan Mitchell went nuts. He had 32 points at 14 of 21 shooting. George Niang knocked down five threes, and the Jazz get the W Saturday, 106, uh, 109 to 96. And not for nothing, I think that Jazz team could do some real damage in the postseason. Like as long as Conley comes back 
and doesn't mess with Mitchell's mojo at all because Mitchell's been really good as the de facto point guard with Conley out. But that team has a little something, and they can beat you a lot of different ways. Gobert's been insane over the last month or so. I think that's a championship contender, uh, if you ask me. Monday night at the Amway Center, the Nets came in, and this is a big game. Magic started this week in the eight seed with Brooklyn in the seven spot. By the end of the night, thanks largely to Markel Fultz, those seeds had been swapped. Fultz runs the other way. They get him the ball right to the cup. He goes. He'll score. Markell with a deuce. Magic lead by four. DJ charges into Torian Prince. He'll throw left corner. He's got Fultz for three. What'd he do? He ring it up. Three ball good. Magic lead by seven. Just like that. I think they solved the frostbite problem. Yeah, they sure did. Two and a half minutes left. Fournier races in for the right. Nothing. Out to Fultz. They dare him to shoot the three. He won't. He'll drive it right at fouled. Spencer Dinwiddie right to the cup. Are we seeing the emergence of Markel Fultz right here? That's a terrific play taking it right to the hole. He's got 24. He'll go to the line for number 25. Fultz a career high. 25 points including a 7-0 run on his own in the fourth quarter. That propelled the magic to the W. Post game, he had some interesting stuff to say. Uh, this is what he said about where his game is right now. Um, definitely, I definitely think, uh, you know, just thanks to the coaching staff and then me, the work ethic that I put in. You know, um, that's the one thing I try to do every game. You know, just try to improve on something that I, you know, made a mistake on or you know needed to learn from the last game. And um, I think every game I'm coming out getting more comfortable, um, learning from my mistakes and making less mistakes. So I think it's definitely. Um, something I'm keen in on. I'm just trying to improve each and every game, and I think I'm doing a good job of it. And then I found this fascinating. Asked about his injury, he said it didn't magically heal. It's something I work on uh, every day with preventative maintenance, and it probably always will be like that. He's going to have to maintain this thing uh, for the rest of his career, and he's okay with that. Uh, a lot better. You know, it's ups and downs. Some days you might, you might feel a little down. That's part of the NBA, but, you know, it's been feeling better and better. Like I said, I've still been doing my strengthening exercises, everything I need to do on that end of the floor. Um, I mean, off the court, so, you know, it's part of the game. You know, you got to take care of your body, and I'm making sure I'm staying on top of it. So the Magic now 3-1 and one in 2020. They're creeping back toward the 500 mark. Uh, 17 and 20 overall now as we approach the midway point of the season. Their percentage points ahead of Brooklyn for the seventh seed, and obviously 1 and 0 against the Nets this year. Two more matchups with those guys, both in Brooklyn. That'll be on February 24th, and then on March 23rd, and it'll likely be the Nets and Magic for those last two spots. Because in my opinion, the top six seeds are basically set in the Eastern Conference. Pacers, uh, the Pacers are your sixth seed right now, and they're up there currently six full games better than the Magic. So you got to watch the Nets, and then the teams behind them are a few games off too, but Charlotte, Chicago, Detroit, Washington, all still within reasonable striking distance in terms of playoff contention. Wizards come back to the Amway Center tomorrow. That'll be the final matchup with those guys this year. Magic going for a 4-0 season sweep. And frankly, you got to get that one because we don't know if we'll see Bradley Beal. He's been in and out for the last few weeks, but he didn't play Monday, so chances are he will play on Wednesday. But they're still without Thomas Bryant and Davis Bertans. They've been decimated by injuries this year. They're a lively bunch, sure, and they can be dangerous, but this is a game the Magic must win because after that, you embark on a six-game road trip. Longest of the year. Includes a back-to-back next week in Los Angeles with the Lakers and Clippers. Uh, We'll swing by Charlotte on the way back because why the hell not? Going to be a tough trip out west, certainly. But the Magic should be feeling pretty good about themselves right now. Winners of three of four, and hopefully four out of five if you get that W Wednesday against Washington. J.I. injury obviously meant new roles for a lot of guys, and one of those guys is Kem Birch. He got to start Friday at the power forward spot. He played the four 
under Frank Vogel two seasons ago, but he never played the four uh, for Coach Clifford until last Wednesday when J.I. went down. He got to start at the four Friday night to combat Miami's size, and he played really well. If you look at screen assists per 36 minutes, which I do because I'm a nerd, Ken Birch is fourth in the league behind Rudy Gobert, Tony Bradley, and Demonis Sabonis. So the Birch tree, as I like to call him, he sets great screens, and nobody benefits more from them than Terrence Ross. Just ask him. Uh, Monday after shoot-around, I caught up with Ken Birch. It's Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman, Ken Birch, kind enough to take a couple minutes here with me. And Ken, an interesting start to the year of 2020 for you guys, certainly. Go back to New Year's Day. Obviously, an emotional night for you guys. The next 24 hours, you, you hear about J.I.'s injury. And then a big emotional win against the Miami Heat on Friday. You get to start at the power forward spot. What have the last couple of days been like for the team, sort of emotionally, and then for you uh, individually? In terms of J.I.? Well, just in terms of the emotions. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was kind of a low when you found out oh, yeah. that he was going to be hurt for a while. You, you got a big high on, on Friday night with the win. Yeah. What's kind of been just going through your head? Because I, I realize it's difficult to watch a teammate go down, but it, it does present an opportunity for a guy like you. Uh, I mean, like, J.I. is like my little brother. Um, I was very sad when I heard about that. But, you know, the I always look at stuff positive And, you know, he didn't tear, uh, you know, the NCR, ACL. So I'm happy about that. He's only out for two months. Uh, about speaking of the opportunity, uh, it's, it's a great one, and uh, you know I played power forward two years ago with the old Miami Heat roster with Bogle as a coach, so I'm kind of uh, familiar with it, and uh, I'm just using it as an up t- opportunity to get on the court. The adjustment to go from five to four within Coach Cliff's system is it more like a mental adjustment, kind of knowing your responsibilities, or is it more just about the personnel and and basically needing to do some different things physically on the floor? It's, uh, it's actually both. Um, the four man has a lot of responsibilities, and on defense, it's way different than the five man. So, and uh, also, uh, just you know, also the personnel is different as well. Playing with Mo, um, you know, we tend to kind of do the same things. We kind of uh, you know, because we're both we've been both playing the the five, you know. So, you know, you'll see sometimes go after the screen, go to set a screen at the same time or do the same thing. So, you know, it's definitely a personnel thing and uh, it's obviously going to take a, a adjustment, um, you know, a couple more games or you know, a, one, a game or two. So. You mentioned setting screens. It's obviously a big part of, of what you bring to this team. 4.3 screen assists per game. You're like 12th in the league right now, but that's at 21 minutes. I mean, you're better than some of the best centers in the league by that metric who are playing 12, 13 more minutes a game than you. What what makes you so good at screening? And, 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 and kind of define for me and, and maybe for some of the listeners, what makes a great screen? I, I feel like being a good screener is I'm being unselfish. Um, you got to really want to hit the, the guy that – the guy that has the ball, his man, uh, and try to get him open. That's what I try to do. I try to get my teammates open as possible because also it frees me up at the same time. What's what's that feeling like when, when you kind of get that 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 firm contact and you know T. Ross is going to get an open look here because I got this guy pinned to me? Oh, it feels great. Um, when my teammates score off, when I, when I set my team, teammates up, um, I, I feel great. I don't really necessarily care about stats. I just got, try to get the win. And like I said, that kind of gives me open at the same time. That kind of unselfish approach to the game, is that something that you've always had? Is it something that maybe it's kind of a, a Canadian thing, a Montreal thing, or, or maybe your path here? I mean, obviously, you've had to scrape and claw for every opportunity you've had. Has it sort of developed over the years? Um, I think it's been since I've been playing basketball. Honestly, when I was like an All-American in high school, I remember my teammates telling me they loved playing with me. I've never been a guy who's averaged like 20 points or, you know, I've been trying to score. I've always like played defense and try to help my team win. That's been since high school, and I've carried that through in college and now. So, 
you know, some people will say, oh, well, he doesn't average this amount of points, but like that's not that's never been my game. My game's always been trying to win and just help my teammates out. I did want to ask you about Canadian basketball. You're kind of a low-key guy, and so I think some Magic fans maybe don't know about your background a little bit. Um, what does it mean to you? I mean, where Canadian baseball has, uh, basketball has gone basically since in, in your career, and I'm a little bit older than you, and I've seen it go from, you know, the Routens and, and then Rowan Barrett, and now you got RJ and four first-round picks last year were Canadians, six Canadians drafted last year. I mean, it's really on the precipice of being something very special, and you've been kind of in the middle of all of it. Oh, man, I think we're in, like, the golden era of it right now but it can, it can expand in the future. And I'm just trying to tell, I'm trying to send a message to the young guys that, you know, they can do big things. You know, I feel like our era kind of failed with that. We didn't make the Olympics. So um, that's the reason why I played Team Canada last year, because those guys can make three or four or five Olympics in the future. Uh, and that's something that um, guys in my era kind of failed to do. And, you know, we're, hopefully we get there next year. But I don't want the, the young guys to go through the same thing we had to do. How special was that for you, the opportunity to, to play big, meaningful minutes last year uh, and kind of and put your stamp on the team? Uh, I mean, it was special, but at the same time, like I said, I'm, I'm a team guy. I don't, like, I don't, if we, even if I play big minutes and get good numbers, if we don't win, then it doesn't necessarily mean anything to me. I just hopefully hope that people come in next year so we can make the Olympics. You look at this team right now, you got the Brooklyn Nets in tonight. It's, uh, it's been kind of an up and down start to the season, I guess. You've obviously dealt with a bunch of injuries. What do you guys need to lock in on these next couple of weeks with all the changes that you've had to get where you want to get? Uh, just like, like you said before, um, personnel. Um, you know, we have a lot of injuries and guys coming in and out. So right now we just got to find uh, our, you know, our niche and just go with it and every night you know, because we're fighting for those last two spots in the East right now. So if we want to make to, if we want to make it in the playoffs, we really got to play hard every night and really know our game. What's the identity of this team need to be? I mean, does it need to be basically what the last 30 games was last year? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think our first identity needs to be definitely defense. And then from that, we should uh, offensively get confidence offensively from that. But it should definitely be defense first and then offense second. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. All right, there he is, Ken Birch, Jake Chapman here with you. It's Magic Weekly. And a big thanks to Ken for taking a couple minutes. And a big thanks, of course, to all of you for tuning in to the Magic Weekly Podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at JakeChapmanOM. I'll be back next Monday with another edition of Magic Weekly. Have a great week, everybody.